1: It's time once again for another look into God's infallible book as we welcome you to another broadcast of the Riches of Grace. This program is the radio voice of Grace School of the Bible and is brought to you by Christian people who believe the Bible to be the Word of God and who appreciate its power and authority. At the heart of our ministry
0: is the desire to help you appreciate and rejoice in the riches of God's grace to us in Christ. That's why we call this program The Riches of Grace. We're happy you've tuned our way
1: today and trust that our time together will prove a real blessing as we continue with a series of studies designed to help you understand and enjoy the Bible. My name is Alex Kurz, and it's my privilege to invite you to join us as Richard Jordan, President of Grace School of the Bible, brings us another message from the Word of God. Thank you, Allison. We're certainly glad, my friend, to be on the air again today with the wonderful message of the wonderful grace of God. And it's just a joy to to be able to turn to the Scriptures and allow the Spirit of God to teach us through His Word uh, each week as we meet here. And uh, we trust that you're making it a regular habit to to study with us as we uh, study week by week through God's Word uh, and and look at the, the wonderful message of the wonderful and exhaustible grace of God. Uh, we've been looking the last few weeks at the issue of sin and the life of a believer. Wow, what a what a what a uh, contradiction that is! Uh, Romans chapter number six is is a great passage of scripture that if you and your life on a daily basis as a child of God desire to to have victory, desire to live the life that your heart told you the gospel uh, brought to you. Well, you've got to get into Romans chapter number 6. This is a key passage uh, in order to bring into the experience of your life on a daily basis the reality of the identity that God gives you in Christ. We talk to you constantly about rightly dividing the word of truth, dispensational Bible study, and we do that because if you're going to understand who you are in Christ and what God is doing today, you're going to have to Rightly divide the word of truth. Paul, in the only verse in the Bible that tells you to study the Bible, says study, 2 Timothy 2:15. study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And there's no other way, to to uh, have operative in your life on a daily basis the identity and the life that God has given you in His Son except through uh, understanding the Word of God rightly divided. Otherwise, you're going to wind up thinking uh, you're, you're uh, the nation Israel, part of Israel's program, uh, under her operating system of the law, and so forth. Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning this mystery, uh, this This special secret message that was committed to him, lest you be wise in your own conceits, lest you think you're somebody you're not, and there's no place that that gets more uh practical than it does in in, in Romans chapter number six when when we begin to see how God has successfully and completely and totally dealt with sin at the cross and then has given us an identity in the victory that he won in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, boy, if you wanted to title this passage, you could call it Victory in Jesus, and that would be exactly what it is. Romans 6, 3, Paul says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. This new identity that you have in Christ is designed to come into experiential reality in your walk. That is, it's designed to impact your life on a daily basis in the things that you do. Now, you're not justified by your work or by your walk. But being justified in Christ Jesus, you, you uh, received eternal life which will affect your walk. So you're you're not justified by your walk, but your justification is going to affect your life, your walk. Unfortunately, Romans six three adds ah, a greatly disputed passage. A lot of disagreement about this passage. Uh, when you'd think, well, wow, it's pretty easy to read it and understand it, but the the, the, the disagreement comes over that word baptized in the verse and baptism. And as soon as that word shows up, somebody always says water. <laughs> You know, because there are some folks that just can't read the word baptize or baptism in any of its forms in the Bible without assuming that it has to be water. I mean, it just couldn't possibly be anything else. Than water and and as soon as you bring up the the topic of water baptism, I mean you just divided Christendom into a million pieces because now you have to talk about uh, who gets baptized in water and how do you baptize them in water, and what did you do when you did it and and what you didn 't do and, and there's there are more there 's more disagreement about that, more fights, more fusses more more uh, uh, divisions about that one topic uh, uh, than than almost any other topic. You want to get a fight going, bring up the topic of water baptism. <laughs> well, in this passage, you don't have to fight because there's no water here. Notice, um, this passage says that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ we're baptized into his death. The baptism in this passage actually joins us to Christ. Well, water baptism doesn't do that. You know that. The gospel is the power of God and his salvation, and water baptism is no part of the gospel. Why? Well, First Corinthians one verse seventeen, Paul says, "Christ sent me not to baptize, but preach the gospel." Now, I don't know. I don't care what you make of that verse. I'm trying to explain it away, get rid of it, dodge it, uh, uh, dodge it, or uh, bob around it. The one thing you can't do is ignore the fact that he didn't, wasn't baptizing, but he was preaching the gospel. Well, then that means that water baptism was not part of what he was preaching when he preached the gospel. It's not part of the gospel. Water baptism in this, the baptism in this passage, Romans 6.3, water baptism is, is a symbol, people say of our union with Christ. It's a picture. But you see, the problem in Romans 6.3 is that this baptism is not a picture. This baptism actually does something. It doesn't just represent what, what what goes on. It actually puts you into Jesus Christ. Do you understand that it would be a blasphemous heresy for you to contend that a water ceremony Put you into Jesus Christ? I mean, that would be beyond the heresy of baptismal regeneration. No, you know. I mean, you know. You know what's going on here. You can read. And except for those people who just have more loyalty to their denominational doctrines and their traditions than they do to God's Word, this verse is not hard to read. Know ye not that as so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ? There's no way any water ceremony, any religious rite, any physical activity of any kind is going to put you into Jesus Christ. My friend, that's something supernatural. That's not natural. That's supernatural. That's why... First Corinthians 12 verse 13 says, "For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. You see, this is something that God has to do. That's why Colossians 2:13 says that it calls it the operation of God, not of a preacher, not of a priest, but of God. You see, this is a baptism that actually puts you into a living identity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Changes your position and changes your identity and puts you into Christ. And when it puts you into Christ, you are baptized into his death. That is, the things that belong to him in his identity now belong to you in him. You're buried with him. By baptism into death. What's true of him is true of you. Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, so what happened to you? Well, you were raised up with him too. And so you should walk in newness of life. You see, there's a corresponding in your life to this new identity that God has given you in Christ. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. You've been made a part of a program that focuses in Jesus Christ. And that program has to do with his death and his resurrection, and you're being planted together in that death. And resurrection. See, this this is something that really happens. It's not figuratively, symbolically represented. This is a total change in your identity, a total change in who you are. Something that God does, not something that a preacher does, not something a priest. Does. And I I understand why people get a little edgy and touchy about this passage. Because Ephesians 4 verse 5 says there's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism. And just like it wouldn't do for you to get saved and then have more than one Lord, or more than one faith, doctrines to believe, it wouldn't do to have more than one baptism. And since this baptism happens to you, the moment you trust Christ, God puts you into Christ and makes you complete there, blesses you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. When someone wants to come along and put another baptism on you and require you to be water baptized or spirit baptized or Holy Ghost baptized or uh, or fire baptized or any of the other six or eight you know, denominational baptisms that people like to throw on you, when they want to do those things, and then somebody reads Ephesians 4, 5... It's a little embarrassing because the Bible doesn't match up with and support their tradition and their denominational ideas. Well, you know, there somewhere along the line you're just gonna to have to grow up and decide for yourself which is more important for you. It's a free country, you're welcome to do anything you want to do. But you can only do one thing and say it's Bible, and it's what God's doing. And what God is doing today is taking believers, believing sinners, putting us into Christ by a a divine baptism, the one baptism by the one Spirit into the one body, and thereby identifying us completely and totally in the total victory program that God is accomplishing today in his Son. Now, anything less than that is going to cause you a real problem when it comes to living your life on a daily basis and walking in this new life that God has given you in Christ verse 6 of Romans 6 he says knowing this you gotta know some things there has to come a place in your life when you recognize that your Christian life will not operate on ignorance you need to know what God says you need to get into the Word of God Educate yourself about what God says. That's why we talk about rightly dividing the word and so forth, so you can know where to go in God's word. You can study it and understand it for yourself, and then know who God has made you in Christ. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Why? That the body of sin might be destroyed. What? That henceforth we should not serve sin. You see, God has put you on a program of absolute, complete victory over sin. Its authority over our soul has been broken, it's been canceled, and one day even its effect on our bodies will be removed. We've been crucified with Christ. We're free. We're dead to sin. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that's, that looks to the future. When we get a glorified body and have a, a, a body fashioned like unto his body that henceforth we should not serve sin. That's life right now. That's victory now, not just in the future. But the eternal life that we'll spend in eternity future is ours right now. That's why in verse 11 he says that we're to yield ourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead. We can live that resurrected eternal life that is will be ours in eternity future. We have that living in us now. That's why Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, and nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me And the life that I now live in the flesh. In the real, tangible terms of reality in a human person, the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, I'm able to walk in newness of life. The verse says the body of sin might be destroyed the body of sin that that's, that's that old sin nature that we had that we got from Adam that's not the issue in our life any longer verse 7 it says he that is dead is freed from sin you see we've been under the power of that hated and hateful captor but now now we're free now we're dead to sin and we're alive unto God, and we can not let sin reign in our body. Verse twelve: Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. But yield yourselves unto God. You see, now we can do something we couldn't do before. Now we can serve the Lord. Now we can live in a way that pleases and honors Him. We're no longer a slave. We're free to sin. We're, we're, we're free. He that is dead is freed. From sin, you know, death is a life-changing experience. When you see the lust of flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life come up in your life, and it seems like it gets you, and it begins to pull you, and 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 and, and the old the old ways and the old sinful habits that old that old life that old style of sinning that you developed. Maybe it was anger. Maybe it was worry. Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was hatred. Or maybe it was booze or drugs or dishonesty. That, that, that You know it. You know what I'm talking about. That, that complex of old patterns that, you, that were developed out of your old sinful responses to life, your old sin nature, well, you're no longer a slave to that. Uh, if you do it, you say, well, what happens when I sin, Brother Rick? Then you chose to. You see, you, you realize who you are in Christ and then get on with your new life. That's what Paul's saying. Verse 8, now if you be dead with Christ, we believe, that's the key, that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died into sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye. Also, yourselves to be dead indeed into sin, but alive unto God. Understand that what is true of Jesus Christ is true of you. Count on it. Believe it to be true. And then recognize this new identity that you have in Christ. You know, you can't count on something, you can't believe something that's figurative. <laughs> If it isn't so, it is so. First, you need to know about it. Get the facts. The facts are you died. You've been put in Christ. You've been identified with him. How would you get there? God put you there. Preacher didn't do it. Priest didn't do it. A a, a water rite didn't do it. A ceremony didn't do it. Joining the church didn't do it. God did it the moment you trusted Christ. It's one of the all-spiritual blessings that God gave you in Christ. When He put you in Christ, what does that mean? That means He gave you a new identity. That means that the things that belong to Jesus Christ now belong to you because you're in Him. He is your new is your new source of identity, and so the things that belong to Him. What belongs to Him? Well, one is calvary. You see that that settles that stops sin. You know, you can't stop sin in your life by confessing your sin. You have learned that, haven't you? Sure you have. You know that. You can't stop sin by personal resolution. Oh, you can stop some habits. You can change the complex of sinful patterns by personal resolution. But the only thing that stops sin is the cross. That's what God did at Calvary. He put an end to sin. You need to know that that you've been crucified with him, that you don't have to serve sin anymore. And then you've been made alive to God. You've been given not just the freedom from sin, you've been given the very life of God. Now you need to count on it, you need to you need to believe it. You know the facts, know what's been done for you in Christ. Now you need to have faith. You need to walk in line with the facts of who you are in Christ. As you go about your life today, when you see failures in your life, you know, you lay an egg and you make a mistake, you need to look at it and you say, that's the very thing Jesus Christ died to put out of my life. That's what killed him right there. If there wasn't another one of those things in all the universe and all time, this one right here would have sent him to Calvary. So this is what he died to put away by the sacrifice of himself. So what did grace just tell you? It told you that's the thing he died to put away. So what should you do with it? Well, you should put it away. You should get rid of it. It has no place in your life. What? (laughs) Uh, How should we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? That's the thing that he died to put out? So that means I can put it out. I'm free to. I can get rid of it. I can change. It doesn't have to control me anymore. And I can put in its place the actions and the attitudes of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when you, when you go through life today, if you're going to define your life and yourself and think of yourself on the basis of the way you perform, you're going to have a problem. But my friend, unless you learn to live daily by faith in the reality of this identity God gives you in Christ, to learn to live day by day by faith in a reliance on his righteousness and his identity in his life, then your perception of reality is going to be skewered. Your perception of your identity, your perception of your standing before God is going to depend on your good or bad performance rather than on the truth of who God has made you in his Son. To live daily by the the gospel of grace is to daily measure ourselves by God's standard, by who God says we are. Not to define ourselves by our failures, but to define ourselves by the reality of who God says we are in Christ. And to reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. That's what Christ died to put away from your life. So deny ungodliness and worldly lust. And then live... Soberly, righteously, and godly, you're dead unto sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let sin, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members, as instruments of righteousness unto God. You just present your, your, yourself uh, to God. Uh, the same by faith, by believing what God says is true, and just walk in the identity that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you just obey. You find out what God says, and you obey it. You do it. For sins shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. You see, when he says you're not under the law but under grace, he, he's not saying that in the context of telling you you don't go to church on Saturday, on the Sabbath. He's saying what being under grace, under the control and the administration of grace does is it sets you free to live in a life of absolute victory over sin. You see, God is, he doesn't have a plan B for your life. He just has a plan of absolute, complete, total victory. It comes in your life as you know some things. You know who God has made you in Christ. As you believe those things, and as you live day by day in the reality of who God says you are in Christ, then you'll have the fruit of those things living in your life for God's glory. Let me give you a free Bible study tape that will help you go on with this issue in your life. The tape is entitled, this will be the last time we offer it. We've offered it the last three weeks. What to do when a believer sins. When you see sin in your life, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to run and confess it and keep short accounts with God? Are you supposed to repent? Are you supposed to feel real sorry and contrite? Are you supposed to be shamed and disgraced and feel your failure? Are you supposed to ignore it and overlook it and act like it didn't happen? What do you do when you sin? How do you rebound from it? How do you keep going? How do you stop it? Well, all of that is answered and dealt with on this tape, What to Do When a Believer Sins. I'd like to give you your free copy so that you can have this wonderful truth of God's grace living in your life daily. You simply call us here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300, and we'll be glad to see that you get your copy of this important Bible study, What to Do When Believers Sin. That number again is 888-535-2300. 2300. Now, you can write me, of course, here at The Riches of Grace, Post Office Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. That's Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. And if you're a surfer on the World Wide Web, you can find us there at graceimpact.org. Graceimpact.org. The easiest way, of course, to contact us is simply call the the toll-free number, 888-535-2300. There are people ready to answer the phone and talk to you and uh, take your request and uh, see that you get your copy of this Bible study, What to Do in Believers' Sin. Um, I want you to have this Bible study because sound doctrine, friend, will set you free. Uh, Sound doctrine, your faith resting in an intelligent understanding of God's Word to you. Okay, that's what brings the life of Christ into the reality of your life, into your experience, and brings the victory that your heart tells you is yours in Christ Jesus into the uh, the flesh and blood reality of the details of your life. What to do in believers' sin? You need to know how God has equipped you to deal and, and to enjoy deal with sin and enjoy the victory that He's given you in Christ. 888-535-2300. By the way, can I remind you that there are folks in your area? Right where you're listening to this radio program, that they, they put this program on the air. They, put, they, they make it possible for me to be here each week uh, uh, and studying together with you. Those folks are meeting this weekend around the word of God rightly divided and the wonderful message of God's grace to us in Christ. If you don't have an assembly to attend this weekend where God's word is rightly divided, where the message of grace is clearly proclaimed, and the grace life is the issue... Then, friend, you owe it to yourself and to your family, if you have one, to check out uh, these meetings in your area. You call us here, 888-535-2300, and we'll put you in touch with with the saints in your area where the wonderful message of God's wonderful grace is being proclaimed and studied. You don't want to miss the fellowship with the saints uh, around God's wonderful word, rightly divided. Can I tell you again, thanks for being with us today. You know, my friend, if you're, if you're a regular listener, you know how, how honored I am to have you listening each week. And it's my privilege and, and great honor to, to be your Bible teacher each week right here. We'll meet again this same time next week, Maranatha.